0: following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com So, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. Uh, We're going to look at verses 8 8 through 12, and that's on page 871 in the Pew Bibles. And we're going to look at a small passage in the Gospel of Luke that has prompted some pretty big questions. Uh, and I want to make sure that we don't miss the forest for the trees uh, in this passage and focus solely on the big question that I'm sure will pop up <coughs> in your minds as we read this text. There's a lot more than just that one thing. So last week, we dealt with the difficulty of the fear of man, all right? Um, and the temptation that we all face of being forced into silence because um, we're afraid of what people might think about our faith or what what they might say or what they might do. Uh, But here we're reminded by Jesus uh, of our great value in the Father's sight and that he cares deeply for us, and he's not unaware of the difficulties that we face. And this passage for today follows closely on the heels of those thoughts thematically, just as um, as it follows them uh, in verse order in Luke's gospel. So let's look at them together. Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 8. And I tell you, anyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man, will also acknowledge before the angels of God. And the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful that we are able to gather around your word today. We're thankful for what you have already done in the service this morning. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to speak, that you continue to speak through your word, that you would open our ears and open our eyes and soften our hearts to see you and hear you and receive your message and apply it to our lives, that we might be more like Jesus as a result of our time together. So, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, so at first glance, when we look at this passage, it seems like the idea of acknowledging or confessing Jesus before others is is like just a outward exercise. Like we just, as long as you say the words or do the thing, you're, everything is good. But this is truly... Um, This is truly heart-level stuff. This isn't just outward stuff. Uh, A courageous confession of Christ is not a mere outward confession of the mouth, but a genuine and consistent confession of the whole life, right? It's not just, I said the words, Jesus is Lord, but I lived the life, Jesus is Lord, right? Jesus warned his disciples back in verse 4 um, not to fear those who only had power over the body. Don't, don't fear those who can kill the body. And after after that, they have nothing more they can do. Right? Fear of those people leads to silence when it comes to confessing Jesus. We're embarrassed about our faith. We're embarrassed that we're a Christian. Right? But here he tells us in verse 8 that there's a great reward for confessing him before Mankind, and that's that He will confess us before the angels. Think about that for a minute. I, to me, it blows. It blows my mind that Jesus knows my name at all. Okay, but then to think that if I confess Him with my life before people, you know, even the ones that don't want to hear it that he is going to confess me in front of the angels, right? And that's, that's amazing. That's amazing to me. But there's also a warning for those that deny Christ, that just as those who confess him with their life, um, he'll confess. Those that deny Christ, he will deny he'll deny them before the angels of God. Now, Jesus is clearly speaking of final judgment. This isn't just, I, I, I didn't say Jesus' name in front of anybody today, and so Jesus is denying me before the angels today. That's, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about final judgment, right? Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 46 says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to the least to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And that's your favorite scripture because it's not mine. Acknowledging Jesus before men is more than a mere confession of the mouth, but a genuine and consistent confession of the whole life. Donald Miller wrote, "What we believe isn't what we say we believe. What we believe is what we do." Right? You will know them by their fruit. You will know them by their love. Right? That's that's the measuring stick. It's not uh, we. Um, we love first, and then we have faith, or, or, or there's fruit, and then we have faith. It's, this is a fruit of our faith. This is the proof of our faith. It's the proof of our confession of Jesus that we live like he told us to. Seeing that Jesus is Lord is one thing, living as if God raised him from the dead, and that he is still Lord and is alive, that's something totally different. That's what it means to acknowledge Jesus before men, not saying in your closet, Jesus is Lord, I'm saved now, right? It's confessing with our life that Jesus is Lord. But the opposite is also true. Saying that Jesus is Lord yet living as if he isn't is just as much of denial of the risen Lord as if we were to say that Jesus isn't real and is not alive. We can't forget that. The result when people deny Jesus with their lives is that he will deny them before the angels in heaven. And he'll say, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And with that happy thought, we come to the question that may or may not have popped up in your minds as we read our text for today. The unforgivable sin. What is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? The sin that will not be forgiven. Jesus, slandering Jesus forgivable and defaming the Holy Spirit not forgivable. Remember when Jesus was being crucified? And I think that killing Jesus is probably top ten acts of slander that you could do. Possibly, maybe one. I think it's number one. He asked the father to forgive those men who were driving the nails through his wrists and into his feet. He said, Father, forgive them. Why? What did he say next? They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is different than that sort of blasphemy against Jesus. Those men did not know what they were doing. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is a different animal altogether because it is a conscious denial of the power and presence and work of the Holy Spirit after experiencing it personally. After experiencing it personally. John Calvin wrote, Those only are blasphemers against the Holy Spirit who slander his gifts and power contrary to the conviction of their own mind. Meaning that they're convicted by the Holy Spirit that Jesus is Lord and yet still reject him. Hearing the voice of the Spirit and still rejecting him. Jesus asked forgiveness for those who were crucifying him because they didn't know what they were doing. And blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, on the other other hand, is an educated act, a willful denial against what a person has known and seen and felt personally. And if the true confession of Christ is our rubric for judgment, like whether you're a sheep or a goat depends on whether or not you have professed Christ, It makes sense that a denial of Christ, once enlightened by the Holy Spirit, would be unforgivable. You know the truth and still deny it. Craig Blomberg wrote, professing believers who fear that they have committed the unforgivable sin demonstrate a concern for their spiritual welfare, which by definition proves that they have not committed it. So the best way to know you have not committed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is to wonder if you have committed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, and that's a big deal to you. If it is, then you didn't. You got that? Okay. I'm not sure I'm tracking with myself. So. Kenneth Burding said, Whatever resides in people's hearts begins to show up in how people live and speak. What is at issue is not just a word passing over someone's lips but a more fundamental posture of despising what God has revealed. I just, I said this thing one time and that must have been it, right? It's just a word, but a life is something different. And finally, in verses 11 and 12, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. We've talked about this before. Jesus knew very well what was in store for his disciples. And he didn't say, if you should be dragged before rulers and authorities. He said, when, because he knew it was coming. When you are dragged in front of these authorities to answer for your faith in me, don't worry what you should say. The Holy Spirit will teach you what to say in that moment. This is part of the continuing work of the Holy Spirit. He continues to teach us what we should say in defense of our faith. And it's the Holy Spirit that fuels our confession of Christ in the world. We can't confess Jesus is Lord without the work of the Holy Spirit. He provides us the opportunities to speak the truth of the gospel. And when those opportunities come, he gives us the words to say. He softens and convicts the hearts of the hearers. And he gives us defense when we are accused. He's given us the Bible and preserved it so that we can read it and learn and grow as disciples of Jesus and know him better. When you think about these things, what the work of the Holy Spirit is and who he is, that he is God, and when you stand before another person or persons and are afraid to say anything about Jesus or they um, criticize your faith or whatever and you don't say anything because you're scared, I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't know what they'll say. What will they do? I don't want to get into that. I don't want to ruin our relationship. That's fear. Okay? Okay. Let's let's not candy coat it. It's fear. We don't speak because we're afraid to speak. The question you have to ask yourself is who are you afraid of if the spirit that hovered over the waters at creation is alive and inside of you through faith in Jesus, who will give you the words to say and will defend you in the face of opposition, what, what are you scared of? We should be afraid to not speak, right? He's the giver of good gifts and the empowerer of genuine, consistent confession of our whole lives. I think we should agree with the Apostle Paul from Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's not stuff. That's that's not stuff. Graciously give us all things. He's not promising you a new countertop and a dishwasher. That's not a functioning vehicle. That's not the all things. and let's so let's live like that okay let's agree to live like that we have nothing to fear through faith in jesus we are filled with the holy spirit we have nothing to fear and so if your loved one who you share the gospel with through the confession of your life doesn't talk to you anymore i'm sorry about that that's not on you They need to know. They need to hear it. They need to see it. And God will take care of the rest. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our time together this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would give us courage to live out our confession of Jesus as Lord. And that that consistent confession would be seen and felt and heard in every avenue of our lives, every place that we are, whether we're at home or at church or at work or visiting people or in the store or driving down the road. That our confession that Jesus is Lord would cover all of that and be reflected in all of that. We do love you, Lord. Help us to show it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipie, New Hampshire, 03890.